Welcome to Better Limes and Gardens. I'm Teresa Watkins. I am a lover of gardening. I love to help people with their gardens. I'm a landscape designer, horticulturist, and a garden author. And I'd love to hear from you wherever you are in Florida, in the southeast, Alabama, Georgia, South Carolina, uh, Florida, North Florida, Central Florida, and in South Florida. We've gotten some phone calls today. Uh, from South Florida, and so we're glad to hear from you. If you'd like to give us a call, one 455 2967 or you can text me at 23680. And I have to say that we're going to have a lot of rain this weekend. Shut your irrigation systems off. No need for it. But it's a good time of the year to be kind of thinking about what you want to do this fall. And, you know, we start our vegetable gardens in August. And so buying your seeds and everything right now is good. I think we're still going to have a rush on seeds, so you might want to get take advantage of getting them early um, before everyone else gets them and it's all sold out. Okay, so when do they really need to focus on the making sure that they do their starters for the fall? Now. Right this second. Yeah, so now. By what, before the first week of August? Yeah, or? so if you want to plant, um, you transplanting in August. And so I would say go ahead and buy them now because by the time you get the seeds, um, and put them in the ground. It's going to take a couple of weeks for them to grow and get to be a size okay. to put them in the ground. Good. And so now is the time to be doing that. And uh, so you want to make sure that you're getting what you want and what you will eat. And it's always a good thing to go ahead and try new varieties. And it's a wonderful way to get children to eat their vegetables is by letting them grow their own. So that's a, a, a wonderful idea, too, as well. If you uh, want to go to my Facebook page or you can go to Southern Living Magazine's website, southernliving.com, then you will be able to see my article on how to grow a clover lawn. And it's uh, Hallie, um, uh, let's see, where did I go with hers? Um, Hallie Weinstein is the author, and she interviewed me last week, and she asked what were my tips on growing clover, and I love clover. And every time I see it, I'm always looking for little rabbits, and you see them by the side (laughs) of the road. You see the clover growing by the side of the road, and then you can see the the rabbits. I see clover growing at Lou Gardens, and, and, you know, practically all of the botanical gardens that I visit in the meadows and in the turf areas, they allow the clover to grow. And, you know, that's a good thing because clover is a legume and it fixates the nitrogen in the soil. And so it's like fertilizing, you know, putting in clover in your in your lawn will, um, you know, provide more nitrogen to uh, the landscape. So it's just a really good idea to do. So you can get my tips on that. And uh, if you would like to go ahead and give us a call, one 2967 or if you're uh, texting, 23680. Let's go to uh, Harold in West Melbourne. Good morning, Harold. Good morning, Teresa. So my little wife and I have differing opinions as to the usage of Roundup. Okay. Whether or not it uh, <clears throat> needs to be applied only when it's dry or after a rain. One of us is of the opinion that it doesn't matter if it's just if it's rained and the grass is wet, you could still use the Roundup that will get absorbed. And the others are the opinion that uh, that you can't do that. It's got to be dry. Okay. Well, I, w- what's the issue is that, you know, one, I want to say that it's on the label when to apply it, and that's the, the most important thing. Um, but I'm going to say that the dry um, is going to be better because it's going to absorb it more. Versus that it's already, um, if it's wet and we've been raining a lot, it could leach a lot of it out. So I would say dry, but I would say follow the label. Yeah, I uh, looked at the label. didn't give uh, opinions either way. Oh, it doesn't? Okay, then I'm going to go with my opinion. It's going to do it when you're dry. <laughs> okay, no. Okay. I'm in the doghouse now. Oh, no, I'm so sorry, Harold. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> you got to call back with a question that I can be on your side. <laughs> there you go. Thank, Thank you, you for Bye-bye. listening to Better Lawns and Gardens. All right. If you'd like to give me a call and I can settle a dispute for you, one 455 2967 if you're in the area. Uh, crocosmias. The very first time I saw a crocosmia was in Scotland in my cousin's backyard. And it was the most 
beautiful, beautiful flower I'd ever seen. It's tall. It belongs to the iris family, and it was beautifully red. Cocosmia comes from the Greek word for saffron and smell, and saffron is crocus, and smell is osme. And because dipping dry cocosmia flowers in water apparently releases a saffron-like aroma. And so common names for cocosmia are copper tips and falling stars. And uh, other names, you, mom, people may, re, um, people may um, recognize it. That's the word I was looking for, monbrichia. And cocosmia dates back from the 1800s and was named after uh, Antoine-Francois-Ernest Concombert de Montbret, who ac- accompanied Napoleon on his 1778 Egyptian campaign. So why should you grow cocosmias? They are beautiful. Hummingbirds love them. They come in colors in red, orange, and yellow. They bloom in the midsummer to fall time. And they are easy to grow, no pest problems, no disease problems. And they are easy to, um, to um, have in your garden. They make a great background drop for your uh, garden beds. So cocosmies are beautiful. I'll post a picture of them on our Facebook page later on this afternoon. And you will love them. So we're going to be back with more of Better Lawns and Gardens and the Dirty Word of the Day. You're listening to Teresa Watkins, Better Lawns and Gardens, and this is Florida's Talk and Entertainment Network. Welcome back to Better Lawns and Gardens. We're going to go right to the phone calls. If you have a question you'd like answered, you can give us a call, one 455 2967 here in the garden area. Let's go to Beverly in Tallahassee. Good morning, Beverly. How are you? I'm well. How are y'all doing? I'm, I have a cup of tea. I am good. What, what flavor? I'm just a traditional Scottish cup of tea girl. Uh, and I so gotcha. the Lipton's or, you know, Pico, black, black tea. Black teas, yeah, I like Earl Grey, but that's not one. Oh, well, I get Earl Grey. That's the first cup of tea I get every morning. So Tony fixes me Earl Grey, and then he switches to the black tea. I am so spoiled. You are so (laughs) spoiled, Teresa. I don't know know what's wrong with the people around you who love you. (laughs) (laughs) So so have you ever grown cocosmias? Never even heard of it. You I, I just picked up on the end of that last call. What, what is it again? Crocosmia. C-R-O-C-O-S-M-I-A. Crocosmia. Beverly, you have to get some. They will do uh, wonderful for you. They'll grow up here and they're flowering? They'll, they grow in Scotland. And so they grow in Scotland. They grow up north. Uh, I would say they probably grow in zones uh, 6 through um, you know 11. It, well, up here in North Florida... Everything grows. <laughs> it, it just depends on the time of year. We've had a, you know, a couple of weeks back, the temperatures were up around 100. But then this last week, we just were deluged with rain. Yes. Lots and lots of rain. But the good, which I never mind that because it, it fills the aquifers and stuff. But um, uh, it kept the temperatures down in the mid-80s. Wonderful, which is kind of groovy. And then you know, I've, you know, I have some acreage, but so the bad part about it, just for me personally, uh-huh. is uh, we have what I call the inside yard and the outside yard. Yes, you do. You have meadows. You have bluebird meadows. Yeah, and I also have just wild stuff, mm-hmm. and it's got my my bush hog guy. It's been. It's like a jungle out here. I can just imagine. And so do you mow it yourself? Well, we mow the inside yard. Okay. And and I keep trying to talk my husband into getting a commercial zero-turn mower. So all our neighbor's lawns look like golf courses. <laughs> and, and, I, and I can tell people, well, you'll know when you get to my yard because, you know, I'm the one with all the natural. weeds and the wild, mm, <laughs> 
but anyway, it's it's pretty jungly, pretty wet. Um, some interesting uh, passerby birds had had a couple fly catchers this week, oh, how which nice. is really unusual. And then the other thing is, you know, there's that old saying, uh, "The early bird catches the worm." Yes. Well, up here, the early bird eats all your figs. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I can just imagine, you know. You know, you, half of them are just shredded, and, uh, and and last week they weren't even ready. And this week I'm like, dang, i got to get out there earlier and get this fig. Yes, but, yes, walking your yard, your inside yard is very important. Beverly. Yeah, it's right by the door, and, <laughs> I, and I still am oblivious to it. But up here, you know, we don't have a second. We, we we get too cold to do, like, a second crop of, like, tomatoes and peppers and stuff like that. This is kind of where we um, let our beds lay fallow. I don't know if that's the right word. And it is. kind of get things ready, re- put some new black cow and other stuff in there, and get ready for the fall crops. Wow. Well, this so, is the time of the year to do it. Yeah, so... Um, we're cooking with gas up here. Excellent. Well, thank you for checking in. Stay dry this weekend, Beverly. I'll try. Bye. Bye-bye, hon. Let's go to Bobby in Indy Atlantic. Good morning, Bobby. Good morning. And uh, I always forget that you're, you're, your mom's from Scotland. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was going to call last week because my mom's uh, mom is from Scotland, and I first visited her a few weeks ago or a few years ago and uh her family and uh, i loved the uh uh the greenhouse yes the conservatories in 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 glasgow yes oh i love yes it is i've been there it was the first place bobby that i ever saw variegated saint augustine grass and they were using it as a hanging basket I didn't see that. No. Well, I've got pictures of it. Yeah, it's it was incredible. So uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful garden, botanical garden to go to in Glasgow. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I was actually calling about the snails. Okay. These terrible, terrible, terrible new snails. Have like, you seen them in your in your in your area? Yes, they're everywhere. <gasps> and I couldn't figure out what was eating some of my plants. Like I thought they were just dying. I'm like. I couldn't figure it out. They're, they're, they're stripping them bare. Oh, my goodness and gracious. They, and then they're eating the, 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 the vines, the oh actual my goodness. vine, not just the leaves. And, I'm, I just, and then I figured it out. So the what county are you in, Bobby? Brevard. I'm Brevard. Melbourne. You're Melbourne? Okay, okay, on that side. Okay, thank you. Um, have you yeah. reported it to the extension office? No. I would give them a call on Monday and let them know that you have them. Take a picture of one and make sure that it's, you know, that it's just a, it is one of the invasive African snails and not just a regular slug or regular snail. Well, it's, it's not the African snail. Oh, it's I not. Oh, you just it's have rounded. lots of snails. Okay, they're rounded. Okay, so. But I think it's still an invasive snail. I've never seen them before. Okay, but. well. I'm, Take pictures yeah. of it so that whenever you get a hold of your county, you'll have to show them. Yeah. Um, so snails yeah. like moisture. Is this in a moist area that gets a lot of water or rain? Uh, yes and no. Okay. Because I try, I, I try not to let things dry out, but you know, it's not okay. always easy here. Okay. Well, let things. Well, <laughs> let things dry out. It's good to be dry. Okay, yeah. being wet all the time is not good. Okay, and so yeah. that's why you why you have some snails is that they need that yeah. moisture, and then you can always use slug bait. But I would reduce the water completely. What do you grow there? Yeah. I have a little bit of everything. I've got the plumerias or amaryllis. Oh, in this orchids. area where the snails are. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, it's it's mostly potted. It's in the courtyard. Okay. I have an inside courtyard. Okay, so snail yeah. and slug bait will work really well with that on the pots, and so you can do that um, and put it in. But also, too, I would just reduce your watering. If it is the pots and your – do you have little um, uh, low-volume emitters? Is that what you're watering, or you do use a hose? Hose and by hand. Okay. All right. Just let it dry out just a wee bit, okay? And if they're drying out too quickly, you might want to add more or fresh 
the uh, refresh the potting soil because if it's drying out, that means it's old. And by adding oh. new by adding new potting soil, it's going to hold on to the moisture longer, and you're not going to need to water as much, and you'll have less snails. Gotcha. Okay. But I find they are they're burrowing too in the yes. dirt. That's why I couldn't find them. They they go they, down pretty deep. They do. They're they're night creatures. Yep. So yeah. Okay, well, thank you for letting me know. So it's not the in, uh, really invasive ones. There are just a lot no, of them. No, it's not the, the big African ones. Oh, no. good. Okay, super. Just re, um, I would just go ahead and reduce your watering, uh, use slug bait, and then refresh your potting soil. All right. Okay. Sounds wonderful. Thank, thank you, you, Bobby, for listening. Bye-bye. Let's go to Dave. Good morning, Dave. You're in Daytona Beach. How can I help you? Uh, I live in Daytona Beach, yes. A couple of years ago, I moved over from Crystal River uh-huh. to get to the ocean. Now I've got a, uh, excuse me, a six-foot diameter uh, uh, area in the front of my yard that I planted a pygmy palm because a neighbor just had them, and I love them. Uh-huh. Uh, and then and evidently I made a mistake and planted all around them lantanas because I love the flowers. Uh-huh. Well, they went crazy. <laughs> and, I mean, they just took over the whole six-foot diameter area, and I was worried about it was going to kill my pygmy. Uh-huh. So I, I took a couple of weeks ago, I took them all out. <clears throat> now I want to put something back in there. Uh, can I put a tomato plant or two around of it or something like that? Or I can get some fruit or vegetables. Um, uh, is it in full sun? Oh, yeah. Okay, so you could always, you know, put vegetables. You can make it an edible landscape and you can put vegetables in there. Um, but you know, it wouldn't be my idea of a, of a, of a garden bed. I, I like to put my vegetables and edibles in another area, but if you're well, wanting to do that, you can. I don't have another area. Oh, oh, so this is your only area. Okay. So super. Then yes, you can put edibles in there. You can plant your tomatoes in there. It's not going to be too much shade from the pygmy date palm and, uh, you know, it, it'll be just fine. Okay, other than tomatoes, you got another suggestion that might grow well, and then I'll let you go. Oh, no. Well, you can. What I would suggest is you buy perennials that will do nice in that area, but not get really big like Lantana. Lantana, if you'd only put one in there, it would have been, it would have grown three to four feet wide, five feet wide, (laughs) and you'd only need one. But you put in how many? You put five five of them in there? Yep, all the way around. Okay, so that's where it exploded. All right, so uh, what I would suggest is you use pentas, P-E-N-T-A-S. You can put in pentas. You can put in um, African blue basil. You can put in blue days. There's a lot of different, you know, one-gallon to three-gallon pots that you can put in there that are not going to get big. So I would suggest perennials instead of ground covers. Okay, I, I like the lantanas because they flowered all, damn near all year round. So just put one in there, okay? Just put one in, and then, then you won't have to worry about it getting big. It'll take up the okay. six-foot face, okay? Yeah, and, I, okay. That's, thank you very much. You're welcome. You'll get lots of butterflies, Dave, so that's a good thing. So uh, I appreciate oh, you calling and wait, listening. Uh-huh. Butterflies with what? With lantana. You'll get lots of butterflies with the oh. lantana. I never saw a butterfly out there, and they oh. were in there for almost two years. Okay, so do you spray insecticide around your house? No, no, everything's wild. Everything's wild? Okay, well, then you should see them. I would. I, maybe you're inside too much. <laughs> or they're hiding <laughs> from him. They're hiding from him. Not a, okay, goes, not a bit. Okay, well, then they, the lantana will attract really wonderful butterflies. Okay, well, thank you very much. You're welcome, Dave. Thank you. Let's go. Do we have time for the text line? One one quick text. Sure. Okay. So, uh, hi, Teresa. This is Muggsy from Daytona Beach. Hi, Muggsy. Um, I just moved here from Ohio. Smart move. Uh, I was a volunteer caretaker of an urban pawpaw orchard in Ohio. Can I grow pawpaw trees here in Daytona Beach? And I will say pawpaw trees grow to zone 8B. You're in zone 9. So it's going to be a little iffy there. Um, I would try them. I would try one and see if you can do it. I'm always one for trying, even if I'm, I got zone envy. So, uh, but uh, Muggsy, try it and let me know how you do. We're going to be right back with more of In Your uh, Better Lawns and Gardens. I'm Teresa Watkins, and this is Florida's Talk and Entertainment Network.
Welcome back to Better Lawns and Gardens. I'm Teresa Watkins, and we're getting a lot of phone calls and a lot of text messages. So if you have an important question that you need to get an answer to, you can give us a call. Call Lizzie at one 455 2967 That way we'll know we can get through to you. And we'll get to your call yes. before the end of the program. Please there. do. We love our callers. I know. And they're doing so well this morning. And so I'm raising my cup of tea to everybody out there. So. Yes. <laughs> and so are the listeners. I've had a couple of listeners call and go, let Teresa know I'm having tea with her. <laughs> so uh, can you give some guidance to growing celery in containers, please? Yes. You just want to make sure that you're using good potting soil, uh, you know, uh, and make sure there's good drainage. Uh other than that, make sure the pot's big enough. You know, depends on how many celeries you're going to grow in a pot. Uh, so other than that, it's just like growing in the ground. You just want to make sure that you're fertilizing correctly, full sun, and that it's getting adequate moisture. That's very important with celery because it's made up mostly of water. So you want to make sure that you're, you're, you're giving it enough water. Okay, so that's another thing I want to remind everybody. One of the most important things is to realize how much water you are getting. So rain gauges are very important because I will tell you, your neighbor, it will. you'll look out your window and you'll see all this rain coming down. Your neighbor will get two inches and you will only get one sixteenth of an inch on your property. So you're thinking, oh, I'm good to go because it rained and it came down so hard. But you didn't get very much at all. That's one of the reasons why we see irrigation systems going on that are properly managed because you it rained, but it wasn't enough to shut it down. So you're going to make sure you get an adequate irrigation system. If your system gets one inch to two inches a week, I'll give you two inches, then you do not need to turn your irrigation system on. But I will tell you during the summertime, uh, usually didn't happen in January or in June for Jacksonville, but uh, usually in June and July and August, we get anywhere from five to eight to nine inches of rain a month during the summertime. So there's no reason for irrigation systems to go on at all. Okay, so um, when do you fertilize mango and citrus trees? Also, can you recommend any books on growing bromeliads in Florida? Love you guys. Thank you for your knowledge and fun info from both you ladies. Yay, Lizzie. Um, That's Jill from Sebastian. Thank you, Jill, for listening. And so uh, the book, okay, so here, let me give you the name of the book. The book is called Bromeliads for Home and Garden. Bromeliads for Home and Garden. And it's by Jack Kramer, K-R-A-M-E-R. And if you get it on Amazon, you can probably find it used a used copy of it for very inexpensive but it's got some great information in there and uh, so uh, that's really good and then there's also one bromeliads for the contemporary garden and that is a nice book too as well and it's by andrew steens so there's a couple of good books out there um and they're pretty much you know the information is pretty same because you can only grow bromeliads one way. You know, they're epiphytes. So, uh, you know, not too much maintenance information on it. So let's go to uh, Lori in Beverly Hills. Good morning, Lori. Good morning. How can I help you? Okay, um, I have a backyard, an acre backyard. The back half of it's got trees and all that stuff. And there was a scorched earth when I bought this like five years ago. They had a dog run out back there, Uh didn't try and plant anything. It was just a mess. So over the years, I finally got grass to start pushing out and growing in there. Um, I planted, tried to get some trees growing and, and bushes. Now, some stuff does okay but it's like after two years everything just almost stops growing or dies and every time i uh, you know try and plant something i try and mix in black cow manure i do some uh, potting soil um trying to get stuff but i'm just at a loss i don't know what to do okay do you have an (laughs) irrigation system Lori? no not out there there's no irrigation system um this time of year i you know just do the rain i put my finger down and test it about a couple inches down if it's dry i try and bring some water in or if things start looking droopy um, i bring some water in when i first plant them for the first couple of weeks I, I i soak them and try and see where the where there's new growth mm-hmm. and uh and, and 
and then kind of adjust according to that. Okay. Um, now, <clears throat> the area where it is, it is very hot, and that's why I'm trying to br slowly bring stuff in to try and get moisture on the ground. Right. But like okay. said, after a couple of years, it just... All right. So, so let me give you some tips, okay? Because I know Beverly Hills, and it's very sandy, very sandy, yeah, very I'm warm. I'm actually up in Pine Ridge, so I'm about okay. 100 and, yeah. Okay. And so the thing is, is that you want to plant plants and trees and shrubs that can take xeric sandy soil conditions. So your plant selection is going to have to be correct. Okay, so you're going to want to select plants that can handle sandy soils, xeric conditions, and that get established. And after a couple of years, you don't need to water them. Okay, and so that's the important part. I, as far as amending the soil, um, one, I would go get a soil test of areas where the plants are dying. You want to make sure there's no chemicals there or something's going wrong with the soil. They're going to tell you what you'll be able to grow if you get a soil analysis. You can say what okay, kind of grass. I've done the one you get from the store, and it's always like six point five to seven. It's almost that. That's almost a pH test. Soil. That's a pH test. Oh, that's okay. not a soil test. The soil test you're oh, going to okay. have to go through the university soil. and soil okay. test, a soil analysis, and it'll it'll be probably about ten dollars. Okay, and then they will send you everything. You you can grow bahia grass in dry sandy conditions with um, with a full sun. Without having an irrigation system, but if you want to use any other turf, you're not going to be able to get it without putting an irrigation system in. Okay, and okay. so uh, even though I will water it, even though you you're not going to be able to water it enough. Okay, and that's oh, okay. Okay, okay. That's the thing. Uh, so um, so just make sure your plant choices are xeric that they're for dry plants. You'll be able to plant trees and shrubs, but you're going to want to make sure that they're going to get watered well. And I'm talking. 30 to 50 to 100 gallons of water once a week, okay? Oh. All right, so that, that's, oh. that's a lot of water, okay? But you're going to need to do that. Thank you so much, Lori, for calling. Let me know how you do. Okay, let's go to David in, um, no, oh, we gotta, we're going to go on a break. I'm sorry, I'm so excited. I got all these phone calls. David, you're going to have to hang on. Jack, hang on. And then um, we've got some other phone calls here. We've got someone in Tallahassee and Orlando on our text message line. You're listening to Better Lawns and Gardens. We're going home this morning. I finally got some tea. Things are going strong. And uh, you're listening to Florida's Talk and Entertainment Network. Welcome back to Better Lawns and Gardens. If you'd like to give us a call, one 455 2967 or you can text at 23680. So let me just re finish my response to Jill from Sebastian. I gave her the books on growing bromeliads in Florida. When do you fertilize mangoes and citrus? You want to start in um, late February, first part of March, and fertilize them every three months like you would do your citrus and mangoes together, that's fine. Use a regular balanced fertilizer, 666-888-101010. Start off with a quarter pound and work your way up to a pound of fertilizer per tree as it matures. Okay, Jill, so I hope that's good. Let's go to David in uh, um, um, Bartow. David in Bartow. Good morning, David. Good morning. How can I help uh, you? My, my question concerns an area, a uh, small area of my yard that's next to some sort of an evergreen tree that my neighbor has in their yard. It's uh, right like right on our lot line. Uh -huh. their, their tree is on their side, and the grass that I'm having problems growing is on my side. And it's not a very wide tree, but this area is probably five to six foot in diameter, and just nothing will grow in it. I've tried putting... Uh, black cow on it i've tried bringing in some extra uh good topsoil and nothing seems to grow in it i've put sod in it and it dies i've tried sprigs from my san augustine it dies i'm wondering does is it the pine needles that are falling from it that are killing it so is it a pine tree that you're it's growing is it a norfolk island pine 
It's no, it's not a Norfolk Island pine, but it has similar needles. Okay, so it is a pine tree. Well, uh, in, it's in that family. It's an evergreen. Okay, um, so of, it's an, of some sort. Okay, so uh, okay, so I could just go on naming names, Podocarpus and things like that, um, and so that would have similar leaves on it. How much sunlight does that little area get? Well, uh, once the sun gets up midday, uh, it gets pretty much full sun. For how long? Uh, five hours. Five hours. Okay, I'm going to suggest to you that it's not getting enough sunlight and that the roots are hampering the uh, the turf's ability to, to establish itself. So um, I would suggest that you plant something else there, create a garden bed there, put a shrub there. Uh, something that will be able to handle the lower light conditions. Um, all turf needs between six to eight hours or more of sunlight a day. So if you're only getting five, and that may be an iffy five, then you may just, I mean, adding the black cow and the um, organic material is okay, but it's not going to give you that sunlight you need to grow turf. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry. All right. <laughs> okay. <Thank> you. <laughs> you sound so disappointed. Okay, so David, I would just suggest, you know, quit, you know, it's going to be like beating your head against the wall. Okay, and so just make up your mind to put something else there, put a shrub there. Is there a fence there or is it just open up and you see this beautiful evergreen tree? It's, it's open. Okay, I would suggest you just plant, you know, a, a, a shrub there. Uh, or, you know, uh, some kind of ground cover there, Asiatic jasmine, or, you know, even, um, you know, uh, some of the other ground covers that you can put, Mondegrass, Liriope, something else there, create a garden bed. Okay, here, here's how bad it is. It won't even grow the, bas- the invasive basket grass. Yeah, <laughs> well, basket grass is seasonal, so it dies anyway. <laughs> right, but yeah, but it won't, it, it doesn't even come in there in the summertime. Huh. Interesting. All right. Well, uh, t- send a picture and, t- and, send, and send it to me, Teresa.Watkins at live.com. Maybe I, there's some other answers for you. Okay. Okay. Thank you. thank you so much, David. Let's go to Jack at Daytona Beach. Good afternoon or good morning, Jack. How are you? Doing great. My problem is uh, powdery mildew on the uh, Seiko palm. Mm-hmm. And it's not only in my yard, it's a couple other yards. But well, I'm only, you know, I'm like two blocks from the ocean. I don't know what's. Well, the powdery mildew is 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 a, is a disease issue. It's a fungal issue. How often does it get watered? I water the big seco. It's in one big seco is in a pot, so I water it like every other day. Okay, and it has powdery mildew. Yeah, not much. It's the ones that are in the ground that have the most powdery. Okay, and so where yeah, is I it located? Have a sprinkler system. Okay, so you hand water it. Also, to um, is it between buildings or is it in an wide area that open. it's it's wide open? open. Okay, so yeah. you're going to need um, Jack to use a horticultural oil or insecticidal I've soap. I've, I've tried the horticultural oil, you know, bonides and. Uh, okay. So, that hasn't helped yet. Okay, so then you want to make sure that you have powdery mildew. Okay, that's one of the first things I need to ask you. So if you can send me a picture of it, that will help me because you may not have powdery mildew. What might I have? You might have Asian cycad scale. And if you have Asian cycad scale, the um, horticultural, uh, well, horticultural oil will work, but it may not lift it off. So you would and the soap will not work so you I might need to use it mm-hmm. yeah, i have one plant that's by the pool and it's in a pot and it's it's getting deformed because of this okay so i'm going to suggest it's not powdery mildew okay, okay. i'm going to suggest this asian cycad scale and what you want to okay. use is a product called summit year-round spray oil Okay. Summit year-round spray oil, and you're going to follow the instructions. You might have to use two applications. Okay. Okay. And then the scale may not come off. So what I need you to do is I want you to take the um, Cycad scale, and I want you to squeeze it, and I want you to see if it flakes off. All right. Okay. If it flakes off, it's dead, and you can just take a hose and wash it off. But if you squeeze it and you get a little brown liquid out of it yep. ooh, ooh, jack it was alive 
okay? And so uh, you want to make sure then that you use the Summit year-round spray oil. All right. Okay. And, and another thing, that fellow that called in and wanted to know about a vegetable, I put a couple of summer squash plants in with these, uh, uh, you know, my flower garden, or not flower garden, the, the evergreen garden. Mm-hmm. It's something I had trouble with them in one side of the house. They 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 didn't grow well, so I put them on the uh, north side of the house where all the evergreen plants are, and they're doing great. So Wonderful, could, good for he, you. He could put he could put like why well, I, I sold produce in New England in Mass, uh-huh. and uh, so he could put in zucchini squash and uh, straight. Straight neck squash. Excellent. If you like squash, if you like squash. Okay, well, I think that's a great idea. Thank you so much, Jack. Go Red Sox. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for calling. Bye-bye. Okay, and so uh, Tallahassee is texting and saying they find cocosmias are becoming invasive. So uh, when I bought my home in 1994, they weren't, but now they are, and I've spent hours pulling hundreds of them up. Yes, they're beautiful, and hummingbirds love them, but I'd suggest planting them in a pot instead of the ground. Well, I will tell you, invasive is not necessarily the right word. They grow really well, and they spread by corms, and so crocosmias multiply. And so so I would suggest planting them in pots, too. But if you have a wide open area, too, as well, a long garden bed, they look lovely and do very well. Okay, great advice. I I have mine growing in a pot because I just don't have a large yard. All right. And so some uh, Bobby chief um, by the beach says, I believe those snails that I'm tearing up that are tearing up my potted plants are the invasive Cuban brown snail. Well, they may be. I need to see a picture. So if you've identified them, that's great. You can always um, go to Google. Google's great. The Internet's great for for doing that. And so um, um, I believe. Oh, no, sorry. My boxwoods that were planted three months ago have branches that are dying out intermittently. I read this is a fungus and there's no cures. What are your thoughts? Okay, so um, I don't know where you are located, but I just saw this the other day there in um, a client's yard that I have. And when the whole branch dies out, but it's it doesn't, the leaves don't fall off, that's a little bit different to me than dieback, twig dieback and also disease issues. And so a lot of the culprits sometimes are squirrels, squirrels that just go through and run around and they just break branches and these little branches die. So I would check out the branches, check out the base of the stem and see if there's a little tear in it, a little snip in it, and it could be that. I'd like to thank everyone who called today. Lizzie, we have the best listeners and callers of everybody on any show. On point, on point. And I so love it. Thank you so much for taking care of the program, Lizzie. I do appreciate you being the producer. You are the best producer that there is. So we're going to be back next week. I'm going to have the redneck rosarian, Chris Van Cleve, on. We're going to talk about roses, and we're going to answer your garden questions and tech messages all over again. I really, really, really do appreciate uh, you being out there and listening. South Florida. If you, what's your email? Oh, my email, Teresa, T-E-R-E-S-A dot Watkins at live.com. Go onto our Facebook page and like it and uh, let me know you're out there listening. You can also uh, write in questions for the show on betterlawns.com. Betterlawns.com, you can send me a question. I have Debbie. uh, Debbie, I'm going to be answering your questions about the pickle worms and then also Jean and in the villages, I'm going to be answering your question. And Richard in Lakeland, we're going to be answering your question. If it's Saturday morning, you're listening to Better Lawns and Gardens. I'm Teresa Watkins, and this is Florida's Talk and Entertainment Network.
Welcome back to Better Lawns and Gardens. If you'd like to give us a call, one 455 2967 or you can text at 23680. So let me just re- finish my response to Jill from Sebastian. I gave her the books on growing bromeliads in Florida. When do you fertilize mangoes and citrus? You want to start in um, late February, first part of March, and fertilize them every three months like you would do your citrus and mangoes together. That's fine. Use a regular balanced fertilizer, 666-888-101010. Start off with a quarter pound and work your way up to a pound of fertilizer per tree as it matures. Okay, Jill, so I hope that's good. Let's go to David in uh, um, um, Bartow. David in Bartow. Good morning, David. Good morning. How can I help uh, you? My, my question concerns an area, a uh, small area of my yard that's next to some sort of an evergreen tree that my neighbor has in their yard. It's uh, right like right on our lot line. Uh-huh. Their, their tree is on their side, and the grass that I'm having problems growing is on my side. And it's not a very wide tree, but this area is probably five to six foot in diameter, and just nothing will grow in it. I've tried putting uh, black cow on it. I've tried bringing in some extra uh, good topsoil, and nothing seems to grow in it. I've put sod in it, and it dies. I tried sprigs from my St. Augustine. It dies. I'm wondering, does is it the pine needles that are falling from it that are killing it? So is it a pine tree that you're it's growing? Is it a Norfolk Island pine? It's, no, it's not a Norfolk Island pine, but it has similar needles. Okay, so it is a pine tree. Well, uh, in, it's in that family. It's an evergreen. Okay, um, so of it's some, an, of some sort. Okay, so um, okay, so I could just go on naming names, Podocarpus, and things like that, um, and so that would have similar leaves on it. How much sunlight does that little area get? Well, uh, once the sun gets up midday, uh, it gets pretty much full sun. For how long? Uh, five hours. Five hours. Okay, I'm going to suggest to you that it's not getting enough sunlight and that the roots are hampering the, uh, the turf's ability to, to establish itself. So um, I would suggest that you plant something else there, create a garden bed there, put a shrub there. Uh, something that will be able to handle the lower light conditions. Um, all turf needs between six to eight hours or more of sunlight a day. So if you're only getting five, and that may be an iffy five, then you may just, I mean, adding the black cow and the um, organic material is okay, but it's not going to give you that sunlight you need to grow turf. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry. All right. <laughs> Thank you. you sound so disappointed. Okay, so David, I would just suggest, you know, quit, you know, it's going to be like beating your head against the wall. Okay, and so just make up your mind to put something else there, put a shrub there. Is there a fence there or is it just open up and you see this beautiful evergreen tree? It's, it's open. Okay, I would suggest you just plant, you know, a, a, a shrub there. Uh, or, you know, uh, some kind of ground cover there, Asiatic jasmine, or, you know, even, um, you know, uh, some of the other ground covers that you can put, Mondegrass, Liriope, something else there, create a garden bed. Okay, here, here's how bad it is. It won't even grow the bas- the invasive basket grass. Yeah, <laughs> well, that, basket that, grass that, is seasonal, so it dies anyway. <laughs> right, but yeah, but it won't, it, it doesn't even come in there in the summertime. Huh. Interesting. All right. Well, uh, t- send a picture and, t- and, send, and send it to me, Teresa.Watkins at live.com. Maybe I, there's some other answers for you. Okay. Okay. Thank you. thank you so much, David. Let's go to Jack in Daytona Beach. Good afternoon or good morning, Jack. How are you? Doing great. My problem is uh, powdery mildew on the uh, Seiko palm. Mm-hmm. And it's not only in my yard, it's a couple other yards. But well, I'm only, you know, I'm like two blocks from the ocean. I don't know what's. Well, the powdery mildew is 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 a, is a disease issue. It's a fungal issue. How often does it get watered? I water the big seco. It's in one big seco is in a pot, so I water it like every other day. Okay, and it has powdery mildew. 
Yeah, not much. It's the ones that are in the ground that have the most power. Okay. And so where yeah, is I it located? Have a sprinkler system. Okay, so you hand water it. Also, to yeah. um, is it between buildings or is it in an Wild area that open. It's, it's wide open? open. Okay, so yeah. you're going to need, um, Jack, to use a horticultural oil or insecticidal I've soap. I've, I've tried the horticultural oil, you know, bonides, and uh, okay. so that hasn't helped yet. Okay, so then you want to make sure that you have powdery mildew. Okay, that's one of the first things I need to ask you. So if you can send me a picture of it, that will help me because you may not have powdery mildew. What might I have? You might have Asian cycad scale. And if you have Asian cycad scale, the um, horticultural, uh, well, horticultural oil will work, but it may not lift it off. So you would, and the soap will not work. So you I might need to use it. I have one plant that's by the pool, and it's in a pot, and it's it's getting deformed because of this. Okay, so I'm going to suggest it's not powdery mildew, okay? okay. I'm going to suggest it's Asian cycad scale. And what you want to okay. use is a product called Summit Year-Round Spray Oil. Okay. Summit Year-Round Spray Oil, and you're going to follow the instructions. You might have to use two applications, yep. Okay. And then yep. the scale may not come off. So what I need you to do is I want